Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Hey, I can look at myself naked. Are you stoned or something? They tried stoning me, my dear. It did not work. He likes to create his own sauce. Well, did you sleep with a man who also slept with mom and grandma Catherine? What? You slept with dad? Shut up! I swear to you, I'm gonna get the hose again, Chad and Simone, if you don't be quiet. Jess, Jess, where are you? Oh, I'm right here. It just... Oh, there you are. Hi. God, the Chad and Simone's fresh tomatoes compound is huge. Yes, yes it is. It's enormous. Where are they? I've been looking everywhere for them. I don't know. I, I thought I heard them, but it must have just been something down the hall. Oh, that's weird. Their cars are still here. Huh. Yeah, I have no idea where they are. Hey, Chad, Simone? Hello? Hello. Oh, that's weird. Uh, I mean, the four of us were, were supposed to get together here for this, this Halloween Fresh Tomatoes podcast. Yeah. Should, I guess... I mean, you'd think they'd be here to greet us, but... I mean, we've got two minutes. Maybe, do you think we should start? Is it Why totally not? rude to just take I'd... over someone's show? No, I don't think... I mean, they'll come in when they're ready. You know. Right, well, we're, su we're supposed to be doing this, this crossover where uh, we come in and uh, we take over one of the robots radio network podcasts. Uh, Chad and Simone had some adventures in Appalachia, I understand, and... Uh, well, we're just going to talk about some movies. Uh, you know what? I guess we can just start, and yeah. I'm sure they'll they'll show up at some point. Yeah, <clears throat> let me get good. the. Uh... God, Chad needs to clean his desk here. What's sticky on the floor? Uh, uh, I won't ask. I think it's wine. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. I mean, if I don't know what other bodily fluid could be sticky and red, unless oh, is that um, blood? Um, I don't it looks kind of dark so I'm not sure the difference between spilled red wine and blood is <laughs> your guess is as good as mine you know what this is fine let's just uh, <clears throat> oh, okay we got uh, all right you're ready here all right 15 seconds <clears throat> hello and welcome to the fresh tomatoes podcast uh, I am not Chad nor am I Simone I don't know. I don't even sound like Simone or Chad to be honest. I don't even think I do. No. Yeah, no. neither one of us do. Uh, okay. My name is is Kenneth Figue. Uh My name is Jessica Duval. And uh, we are are taking over the Fresh Tomatoes podcast for uh, Halloween. We're doing a, a special crossover with uh, with Chad and Simone from uh, Fresh Tomatoes podcast here and. Uh, Jessica and I do a little bit different a story, but for uh, for Halloween, we're doing a crossover where everyone switches shows. So uh, we decided to switch with Chad and Simone. Um, they, I understand, are going to be uh, having an adventure in Appalachia with uh, with us in uh, the world of Fallout 76. 
So if you want to hear what they get up to, uh, we'll be (laughs) dropping that in our podcast feed on Halloween. And I'll put a link uh, to the show notes here for you. Um, We're supposed to be here with with Chad and Simone, but they... Mysteriously uh, disappeared. Yeah, we're not sure where they are. So uh, we'll, we'll just, you know what, we'll just dive in here. Uh, as you know from from Chad and Simone, the Fresh Tomatoes podcast is going to take a, a a new look, uh, some optimistic eyes at some of the most notorious pieces of garbage uh, <laughs> that ever materialized on film. <laughs> and uh, most recently, um, just last week, in fact, um, Jessica and I hosted a uh, lovely Halloween drive-in. Um, yes in our Fallout 76 video game world, where uh, in the video game, I I constructed a camp that looks like a drive-in. And through the magic of computers, I uh, created a drive-in experience. So uh, I picked two pieces of crap that we watched. (laughs) Uh, One crappier than the other. (laughs) Really though? Really, Jess? You know what? You know what? I, I'm going to go with, with door number two on the movie selection because, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot for really bad sci-fi, so. Oh, really? Yes. All right. Well, you know what? Let's let's go out of order then. Let's start with Plan 9. Okay. So uh, we watched Plan 9 for Out of Space. That was the, the second uh, movie that we saw. And if you're not familiar with that movie, um, that was a 1959 picture. It came out uh, for summer 1959, July 22nd, to be precise. Mm-hmm. And it was um, <laughs> created by none other than notorious uh, Hollywood B-movie character, uh, Edward Wood. That eccentric um, bag of crazy. Eccentric, beautiful man. Uh, speaking of movies, um, if you ever get the chance to watch Johnny Depp in the movie Ed Wood, uh, I cannot just, uh, recommend that movie enough. It is so. It, good. It, same, say I absolutely love that movie. They, Tim Burton just did a whirlwind of wonderfulness with that movie, and that actually made me watch Plan Nine from Outer Space. Exactly, and I same, fell in yeah. love with it. Yep. <laughs> and Martin Landau, who. Played Bella Lugosi in that. Um, yes. The late Martin Landau was so good in that role. When he just deadpan says to Ed Wood, "No one gives a fuck about Bella." <laughs> yes, yes. He did amazing. He did so amazing in that role. Pull the strings. Yeah, pull the strings. <laughs> I love when he has the temper tantrum. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I, and I love Johnny Depp as Ed Wood. He's yes. just magic. I mean, it's just magical. I, I mean, I know that Johnny Depp has a lot of character actor, you know, that, but he just does this Ed Wood character so wonderfully. Yeah, he really does. My favorite uh, he, is when he takes out his teeth and he starts just <laughs> casually talking with his front teeth missing. Yes. <laughs> that was the best. Well... 1959's Plan 9 from Outer Space um, is a really unique piece of film. And if anything, um, you know, taking a look at the fresh tomatoes, or excuse me, rotten tomatoes, uh, it's rated 67% uh, on the tomato meter with a 46% audience score. Um, I mean, on, on IMDb, it, it, it has 
uh, four out of ten stars. Which um, is technically not bad. <laughs> I guess not. I, I mean, out of all of the movies that he did, um, this one, I guess, is so bad that it's just charming. Yes. Um, yes. Extremely so, underrated, in my opinion. <laughs> it completely. In fact, um, it, after it was kind of an obvious colossal failure, um, <laughs> it didn't do well. But yeah. it, it gained started of a cult notoriety starting in the 80s um, when it was dubbed by two authors, uh, Harry Medved and Michael Medved, um, who dubbed it the worst film ever made in their book, The Golden Turkey Awards. Um, in fact, uh, Wood was given uh, two awards for worst director ever and worst film ever. Wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and ironically enough, right here, it says that it is the epitome of so bad it's good cinema. And I completely agree with that. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that as well. That sounds right for that movie. <laughs> this movie also had a really weird backstory uh, in that, that is really chronicled really well in the movie Ed Wood um, in terms of, of how it's made. And I've got some really bizarre facts that will, will blow your mind a little bit. Um, first of which is it was Bela Lugosi's last movie. Um, when we were watching it, there's there's some scenes, and I kept bringing down everyone because we were having a lot of fun, but um, I, I love, love classic um, Hollywood monster movies. And Bela Lugosi was, was really hands down the, mice, the most iconic method actor certainly of his his age he brought such a stage presence to dracula mm -hmm. um, and created so many of the tropes that are still copied today as vampires go um with the the stare um and the leering um that that presence that loom and also the commanding voice um that kind of uh really Romanian accent that just rolls off the tongue and is both seductive and terrifying at the same time. Yes, yes. Like, like he he brought all of that to uh, to the stage, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, with Bela Lugosi, I mean, he's one of the icons of you know Boris Karloff's Frankenstein, and oh yeah, you know, it just he's one of those you know with the Swamp Thing, like he's the major monster role person. And he did have a very commanding presence when it, and my favorite part of it was, is how they would only light his eyes. That was always yes. my favorite. And yep. that's been mimicked so many times. I mean, I have to say one of the other best ones where they do that with the lighting of the eyes is Morticia from the Adams yep. family. They yeah, did, sure <laughs> they did it like just using that. Oh, it, it brings that cinematic, just this person is evil just by the lighting of their eyes. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he uh, he developed a really unusual friendship with, with Ed Wood, who was obviously a, a huge fan of his. Um, and shortly after they began their friendship, Ed Wood uh, cast him in his 1953 film, Glenn or Glenda, mm -hmm. which... 
that we could talk at length about that particular movie. <laughs> oh, if we nothing, do that movie. if nothing, and, and I really we should do that movie in the drive-in. <laughs> yes, because I, yes. For one thing, that movie was way ahead of its time. Like, yes, it was. You want to talk about something that, but it also is like the most bizarre art house movie I have ever seen in my life. Like, Can you imagine people's what reactions they're going to have? Probably, Don't even tell them what movie. Don't even tell them this is the movie we're watching. Yeah, I mean, they were probably like, what the fuck is this? When Bella Lugosi just cuts back and forth with him, like, pull the strings. Yeah, pull the strings. Walking through their lives. He's doing this kind of creepy, omniscient, like, I don't even know what kind of, yeah. But he just wanted to give him a role. Um, yes. And Wood would continue giving him roles. Um, Plan 9 from Outer Space was supposed to really highlight and feature him. Um, unfortunately, um, Lugosi had, uh, both a heart condition and a notorious drug habit, mm. and he passed away not too long after the movie started production on August 16th, 1956. Um, it was, um, it's unclear the footage that he, he included of Lugosi in Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, if that was originally shot for a movie that he was going to make called The Vampire's Tomb with Gosi, or if mm -hmm. he'd intended that to just be for Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, that's one thing that even historians aren't too clear on, but at any rate, Lugosi passed away, um, and his role for the remaining scenes in the movie was kind of posthumously played um, by another fellow who I think was a chiropractor. <laughs> I loved the whole thing in the movie too, in in Ed Wood, where oh, yeah. they were trying to find him, and then he's like, "Wait, <laughs> put your arm up." <laughs> yep, that's him. <laughs> and he looked enough like Lugosi from like just the eye level up, yes, that he yeah. could just cover his face. With and a cape. that's all they did with him. Where and you, you definitely could tell. But at the same time, it was a good stand-in, but you could tell it wasn't Bella. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when also, how many times, like, it was, it, there's probably, like, 30 seconds of footage of Lugosi in, in, that survived in the whole movie. Oh, and, yeah. and throughout the movie, it, was it him just kept running cutting, in and it was literally the, yeah. it was the same footage, like, used two or three times. <laughs> like, it's him going in and out of the house, and then it's him yes. going to the graveyard in the cape, and he just yes. gets leaves again. It's like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. I'm going to uh, tell you right now, that had more of a cohesive, I understand what's going on, other than the other one we'll be getting into. But right now, we'll stick with Plan 9. So <laughs> I finally, I, I put together what the plot of that is, and I have got a wild-ass story to tell you. I can't, oh, Which is fantastic. why I'm saving that one for last. Because fantastic. when I looked into how this movie was made, it's going to blow your mind. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was chiropractor Tom Mason uh, who played as Lugosi's double. Um, the other interesting thing about this movie that that's covered really well in the movie Ed Wood, um, the original title of Plan Nine from Outer Space was going to be Grave Robbers from Outer Space, but in mm -hmm. order for for Wood to get his movie off the ground, he needed funding. He couldn't find funding from anywhere. No studio would touch this thing, so um, he he ended up getting um, the movie funded by a really, really devout Southern Baptist fellow named J. Edward Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And um, he, the way that, that Wood kind of fools them into making this movie is hilarious. Um, 
but every now and then they would put their foot down. Um, they were so offended by the title of the movie, of grave robbing in general, they made him change it. Um, and then it, Wood and other members of the cast went into doing a full body baptism. His, yeah. Oh, yes. At yes, his church I remember in the that. Yes. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Um, so, Tor Johnson, um, who is this looming, leering figure, um, was a wrestler that Ed Wood got to play one of the characters. Um, and I do have to say, when we we saw the movie uh, last week, because it was the first time I've ever seen it, he was cast mm -hmm. perfectly in that oh, makeup was. with those dead eyes. He, he is an amazing so zombie. He was terrifying. Yeah. He was, he was like, oh, he was great. He looked like he was like 10 feet tall. He yes. like dwarfs everybody in the scenes. <laughs> it was amazing. But um, yeah, in when they were getting baptized, Tor Johnson was so irritated about having to do this that he pranked the minister by pretending to drown in the middle of the ceremony. <laughs> why doesn't that, why doesn't that surprise me in the slightest? I mean, that just uh, sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would that's what I would do. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> um, oh wow! Yeah, so Plan Night from Outer Space, uh, basically, you know, uh, aliens. Oh, God, I I I had to read. Um, extraterrestrials basically um, want to stop humanity from creating a doomsday weapon that could destroy the universe and so these aliens come to earth to execute order 66 <clears throat> i mean plan nine um <laughs> as opposed to just you know evaporating uh, life on earth or, or going to war they just resurrect the dead um calling them ghouls causing complete chaos so you've got vampira um who is another Has the really, tiniest waist on the planet. Uh-huh. She does. <laughs> She's another really interesting one. Um, she um, predated Elvira mm. um, and is like the original vampire goth chick. Um, mm -hmm. We're talking like like 1940s um, classic um, tapered neck, pale skin. Um, she had a really high opinion of herself. She, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, she wasn't paid enough to talk, and so she just kind of drifts through the movie, like completely doesn't say yeah. a word. Um, <laughs> just her ominous presence, just roaming in and out of the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, so she does nothing through the whole movie except wander around and pretend to be And her very um, long fingernails. <laughs> yeah, with her, with her, you know, like 1990s secretary fingernails that are like five <laughs> inches long. <laughs> Like, how do you wipe with those nails? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, uh, her act was kind of stolen by Elvira. Um, and I think there was a lawsuit over that. They, you know, obviously didn't like each other. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah. I'd like to point out that Elvira did do it better. I mean, I agree. As yeah, far I as the Elvira. charisma goes, it's Elvira all the way. You know what I like about Elvira versus Vampira? Uh, Vampira is like a high-class society maven who mm -hmm. decided to be a little edgy. Whereas Elvira yep. is like, I was born in a trailer park, but now I'm a goth princess. Mm -hmm. um, she has that kind of dirty edge to her that I just love. Oh, yes. Especially and her. Oh, I wish we could watch one of her movies. I, I would love to watch Mistress of the Dark. That would yes, be. Yes, <laughs> that's such a great movie. It is. Yeah. 
that's a guilty pleasure of mine. It is um, mine as well. Yeah, so, you know, the, the aliens uh, decide to resurrect the dead, cause complete chaos, um, and, and then eventually are, are defeated in the most bizarrely staged uh, end battle of all time. Um, with, with just leftover yard sale props. <laughs> and wicker like, furniture. Yeah, with wicker, wicker. furniture and uh, a Radio Shack uh, yard sale items. Another one of, of Kenny and I's guilty pleasure. Wicker yeah. furniture. <laughs> I, I love when they cut to like what is supposed to be the, the head aliens control room. And it's literally just a wooden desk and then various <laughs> electronics devices. Like in the most undecorated soundstage uh -huh. you've ever seen. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that in going going to the Ed Wood thing in in the movie Ed Wood, where at one point that's what I thought was going to happen, where um, Tor Johnson had run into one of the set pieces and yeah. like it shifted, and Ed Wood's like, just keep going. <laughs> and they left it. Oh, that's that amazing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Plan Nine from Outer Space. Uh, I've got a soft spot for it now that I've seen it. Um, it is just so iconically 1950s. Like yes. every bad trope of 1950s movies, um, every B-movie blunder and just awkward everything is just in this, including, you know, long uh, dialogue Oh. That, that goes nowhere. Oh, just, oh, that drones on, and you're just like, is there a plan? Oh, get it? <laughs> it yeah. Like, what's happening in this scene? What, why are they staring at the sky and having a 15-minute session of dialogue that goes nowhere? Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 super gothic and, and weird. Um, the other hilarious thing that I just loved so much is they didn't even try and mask the fact when they were cutting back and forth between footage that they shot you know, in, in real locations and an mm. obvious downstage that probably measures five by five. Yeah. The, the, the graveyard set is night all the time and they'll go from like day footage immediately yeah. <laughs> to the night footage. And it's supposed to be like- I, I'm only no wondering, I'm only wondering if he had something in his mind about that. Like, oh, look over here, it's so peaceful and it's daytime. And then all of a sudden you go to the graveyard and oh, they're coming and they're bringing the dark with them. I don't know. That's just kind of where I went. Yeah. Maybe that, but I could just be like <laughs> way out of left field with mine <laughs> where it was just really badly shot. <laughs> but Edward had, um, the people in this film were, were, were uh, really his weird and wonderful friends. Um, mm -hmm. Like in real life, he surrounded himself with just the strangest people um, that now, if you take those same people and you transported them in time and space, it would be the average group of friends in like oh, New yeah. York City or San oh, Francisco. Yeah. Like they're all very weird and different and quirky uh, in like a fun way. But, you know, this is 1950s America, so it makes them all the more outrageous. Weirder. Yes. Yes. What, what I have to say is, is uh, what I really like about this movie is the reason why I like it so much is because of all the stuff you know behind it. Like, if I hadn't have watched the, Ed, the Tim Burton Ed Wood movie, I would have never watched Plan 9 ever oh. in my life. No. And because of Tim Burton... I watched it and went, this movie's great. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's great because you know all the stuff that you know while watching it. So yeah. one of the uh, one of his friends is the psychic Criswell, and I actually love the beginning and ending with him, um, mm -hmm. where he does that greetings, my friends. We're all interested in the future. <laughs> Yes, yes. So Chriswell, uh, I had to look up who he even is because I didn't even know. Um, at the time that the movie was, was being made, he was the star of a, a Channel 13 television series called Criswell Predicts. And um, back then, there were a lot of, of psychic personalities that had TV shows, radio shows. Um, mm -hmm. Where they would basically just, you know, make up <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he was super charismatic, though. Um, you can even tell that uh, in the way that he he presents himself. So, um, at a time when a lot of psychics were using um, hucksterism and kind of a confidence trickery mm -hmm. uh, to lead you a little bit with, with questions in order to um, predict something as opposed to actually predicting it. Um, mm -hmm. They seduce you with that kind of charm and charisma. And the way that he opens the film between his, his, his wide eyes looking directly at you, making that contact and what he's saying, um, you can see how he kind of, he built that trust with people. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I, I mean, from the character that he or who portrayed him in Ed Wood as well he just did just the whole prediction thing and just the way he he presented himself as just as come with me on this <laughs> on this wonderful journey into whatever yeah. the hell out to watch it's kind of like uh, Twilight Zone Whereas, like, you know, the, the introduction to Twilight Zone was just, it made you want to watch it. Yep. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was Plan 9 from Outer Space. So, you, did you like it? I did. I did like it. Would I you did. watch it again? No. <laughs> or I would fast forward through lots of parts just to get to parts that I wanted to see and giggle at. Um, because there, you know, it does have those moments of the, the lots of dialogue, but in a strange, morbid way, I want to hear the dialogue because it's just so bad. If that makes any sense whatsoever, like you just kind yes. of morbid curiosity of, oh, look, it's a train wreck. Let's keep watching. <laughs> I was just looking at uh, some of the IMDb reviews. Uh, oh, please these, tell me you saw the deaf one. I, I did. That's the first one that I saw. I was like, <laughs> yes. wait, what? I mean, I read that one and I went, oh, please. Of course, there's no subtitles. <laughs> um, I mean, some of these the, are, are pretty blunt but good. Like, here's a 10 out of 10. This guy said, this is one of the best worst films of all time. When viewed with the right mindset and probably a lot of alcohol, it never fails to entertain poor production values, terrible acting, worse directing, and dialogue that has to be heard to believe. I agree with yes. that. Yes. Combined to make a cinematic gem. I completely agree. Uh, here's here's another one. Who said, Aspiring filmmakers tend note, uh, take note for anyone that wants to make movies, Plan 9 is a must-see. Not for its <laughs> lush style, great dialogue, fabulous production sign, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have any of that. What it does have is poor production design, continuity <laughs> gaps that you could drive a space shuttle through, and writing that's so bad, it's amazing anyone had the nerve to show it. This and you is know what? what? Makes it a must -see. <laughs> a 
and somebody please make that remake that movie like why aren't they taking those and remaking them seriously i mean that's the type of thing you should be remaking not something that's already got a good gold thing you know what i mean like take those b movies and have a specific person like say tim burton have him do but i mean you know he he's already done one alien movie which was amazing why yes. not take plan oh nine God. yeah I right love that movie. yep that i i think i had that on my rotation of movies for almost two years like, yep. it was just such a great movie and so having like tim burton remake plan nine from outer space and you know what i mean like take those old b movies and have them do it like in the same context and the same like but just better (laughs) does that make sense like yeah yeah, okay i just want to be like one of those people where people think i'm like they she just wants remakes no i don't please (laughs) don't remake the goonies like please do a sequel sure but don't do a remake of it (laughs) it would have been amazing to redo it when martin landau was still alive uh, yes because he did such an amazing job with lugosi yes i agree i agree (laughs) Before we move on to uh, definitely my favorite worst film of all time, Deathbed, the, um, <laughs> the flying saucers were just store-bought toys. Yes. Uh, yeah. They were from a 1956 line of toys from manufacturer Paul Lindbergh, uh, and they are so janky in the way that they fly. They are just ridiculous. Wait, you have to see it when it's on screen. Oh, um, yes. Vampira is, I'm going to butcher her name, uh, Mayla Nurmi, M-A-I-L-A-N-U-R-M-I, must be right. Um, yeah, she demanded uh, <laughs> to be a silent role. She did later claim, though, that Ed had given her some dialogue, but she didn't like it, so she just insisted on not saying anything. Um, Probably for the best. <laughs> she is credited, though, uh, as being the TV's first horror host. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she really birthed that genre. Um, Tor Johnson's scars on his face after his character <laughs> Inspector Play is killed off. Um, his scars kept moving around his face. Pardon like, me, production crew? Are we yeah. not taking snapshots? <laughs> to hell with continuity. Who cares? Um, no one knew who composed the score of the film. Um, in fact, it, it took 40 years to figure out um, that the score of the movie was actually assembled. Uh, there were composite pieces pieced together from different bits of stock. Um, Gordon Zoller did that, so he, he created the, the score of that. Um, I guess historian in the 90s, Paul Mandel, had tracked down almost all of the original recordings. Um, from the pieces that they were sampled from in order to make the score for that movie. Wow. That's interesting. And most of the movie had stock footage. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Other than Graveyard and the wicker furniture scene and the spaceship scene. And all of a sudden, here we are flying over the Pentagon for no reason. Uh, all right, so that was that was Plan 9 from Outer Space. And now... <clears throat> oh, boy. <laughs> let's talk about, first, before we go into the details, and I'll tell you what the plot of this movie is, because it was so obtuse that I had to look it up. Um, okay. What was, your, what was your first impression of the 1977 hot mess called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats? Hair and huh? 
That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. It was the 70s. There was there was a lot of hair everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you edited it. So I <laughs> I had to take out the naughty I know scenes. you did. I know you did. There was there was a lot of the 70s were a wild time for nudity. It's just like, oh, here's a boob. Well, um, they were they were very repressed in the 60s. They needed to let it all out in the 70s. I guess. And then we <laughs> aged into like the extended sex scenes of the 80s and the 90s came along and we're like, yeah, right, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah. good. <laughs> We've had Let's fun. just show from the shoulders up if anything's yeah, that, happening. <laughs> this is fine. Um, so on Rotten Tomatoes, this actually hasn't been rated by uh, Rotten Tomatoes at all. With wow. probably good reason. Um, the audience score for the movie, however, is 30%. Huh. Yeah. This is... Um, wait a minute, what? <laughs> William Russ. Wait, I what? told you while we were watching it. I must William Russ was in it. Yes, he was eyebrows. He was the one that had his hands missing. Oh, damn. Yes, that was him. I knew I recognized him. I was like... That guy's been in a lot of stuff. All right, well, well and this known. must have been like his full, like his first role or something. I'm sure it must have been. Yeah, William Russ uh, is most well known for American History X. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been uh, on stage, films, TV, um, films such as The Border, The Right Stuff, Dead of Winter, The Unholy. Uh, a lot of these he did early in his career. He was on Boy Meets World. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Maestro, Dead of Winter, Disorganized Crime. The right stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I in was this d- movie... As um, we were watching, I was like, <laughs> he looks so familiar. In this movie, he's in a he's in a two-piece jeans outfit that has to be seen to believe <laughs> with the biggest <laughs> afro you have ever seen. You are not skipping out on that unibrow. Please, yeah. you are not. Oh, and the unibrow. <laughs> yeah, he had, uh, he had a lot going on here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, God. Uh, <laughs> I I have seen bits and pieces of this movie over the years when you stumble into like the darkest corners of YouTube. Uh, or but I really never actually late night movies. <laughs> really, never really late night. <laughs> um. This movie. Um. Let me paint a picture for you. This movie opens on black, it's just a black screen, and all you hear is eating noises sounds like someone eating like a really juicy Macintosh apple um, and that's supposed to be the bed uh, a, this bed that eats people um, <laughs> like the opening scene of the film is literally this couple just deciding like you know hey let's go you know find this let's break into this house uh, and do it uh, with you know we have we brought a snack they, they brought a little a chicken. they brought some some KFC uh, a bottle a of wine apples. and a couple apples for afterward. You know, after you do the nasty, you want to. You get you, little you want those apples. Yeah, you get hungry. The apples are a good palate cleanser. <laughs> Agreed. A, I agree. That's a good tip. <laughs> apples, apples and bananas, great palate cleansers. <laughs> and before you get going, there there is a little known fact, people. Uh, better than Spanish Fly, um, KFC. I'm telling you, that, that, oh, gets, yeah. that gets things rolling. Especially those boulder. mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those mashed potatoes and gravy every yeah. single time. It's uh, it's better than lighting a candle and, and silk sheets. Spanish fly. This holiday season, give her what she really wants. 
chicken. <laughs> that actually wow. sounds like the beginning of my movie. <laughs> Give her what she really wants. Chicken. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the opening scene. So then they start, you know, getting things going. And all you see is, like, the bed slowly closing its curtains. <laughs> it's this old-style Victorian bed, like Scrooge would be sleeping in this bed with the side I'm going to tell you, that mattress did not look comfortable. I, it, it really didn't. Did it did not. Looks, it looked like a futon mattress, and it's no it wonder did. that it ate people. <laughs> it was angry for being a futon mattress. It was a first-generation IKEA mattress, and it, <laughs> it, it was very disgruntled. With great woodwork. <laughs> so, like, the bed eats. Um, like... The bed sucks down the wine, uh, eats the cork, and then just guzzles the wine. And the scene uh, is, it's you're just looking at, at yellow something with bubbles. It looks like urine or Ma- mountain, we, mountain Dew. We deciphered it was Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> so the bed, then the bed takes down the fried chicken and the two apples, and then it pushes everything back up. So you've got this empty bucket of chicken with just bones. Uh, it, it, I like that it eats people, but it doesn't bother to eat the chicken bones. Um, and then puts the bottle back up, uh, the two apples back up. Yeah, and then Such they start. A tiny bed. <laughs> it really is. They start getting it on. The, the curtains close, and then you just hear them screaming and you know blood dripping from the bed. So the bed had a snack. Wow. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's how it opened, and our experience with this film got no less confusing. <laughs> we um, did. How did they it, get here? How did they even, get here? You know, even if, because we were all talking so loud that it was it was hard to make out what people were saying, even if we could hear, we still wouldn't have been able to tell um, what was going on because this this story jumps around in time. All right, let me tell you. Uh, Is that what it we, was? That's, <laughs> yes. Like I had to, I had to look up what the, the plot of this, this movie was. All right. So, I thought we were looking at a really bad episode of Quantum Leap, but go ahead, go. It's like the worst fever dream imaginable. And there was no, yeah, Ziggy didn't show up and be like, oh boy. Um, so it came out October 26, 1977, just before Halloween. Um, it, it, long ago, a demon fell in love with a woman and conjured up a bed on which to make love to her. It's very nice. The woman died oh, during the act. Oh, hey, as, sweeter. <laughs> as one does. Uh, and in his grief, the demon wept tears of blood, uh, tears of blood, which fell on the bed and caused the bed to come to life. While the demon rests, is that what the, the person was in the grave? The girl? Uh, uh, maybe? I don't know. The bed's evil is contained, but once every 10 years, the demon awakes, giving the bed the power to physically eat human beings. Only one man, an artist identified as Audrey Beardsley, was spared as the, beg- the bed condemned him to immortality behind a painting where he oh. must forever witness the bed taking a victim. Speaking of he Eric was, from True Blood. <laughs> yeah. I thought Alexander Skarsgård is just hanging yes, out like, behind no, So he the was wall, the demon. Like watching people get it on yeah. the whole movie. We didn't know that what sounds was about going right on. for Eric from True Blood. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wouldn't want to watch so, it. So, so he, I thought he was like a demon or something or some See, sort of witch. I thought the same thing. Okay. Um, so then it, it's, it opens there and then the bed passes from owner to owner until the present day. Um, in the first one, that young couple trespass into the building, find the bed, make love on the bed, and the bed devours them. 
the artist then makes fun of the bed for its stupidity. The bed gets pissed off and destroys most of the house except for the room it's in, which is why the bed starts out oh. like in one spot and then all of a sudden it is like in this underground tomb for some reason. It is making sense now that you're giving me this description. <laughs> a movie should never be constructed in such a way that you have to read the plot in order to understand what the hell is going on. Because now it's all coming to fruition now. Like it's yeah. just, oh, that's why they went to the little, yeah. <laughs> so then we get to uh, three women uh <laughs> In a car, with for some reason sharing longing looks at each other, it was very seductive. Um, three women discovered the house that is now completely destroyed. Uh, the bed casually eats one of them, um, reacts Snack. reacts to one of the other women by bleeding in agony for reasons that are never explained. Um, the artist realizes that the bed reacts with pain to the woman because she resembles its mother, the woman whose death caused the bed's creation. Elsewhere, the brother of one of the women goes out looking for her. Um, and that's the character with the, the big afro. That's William Russ. Oh, well, okay. And yes, I can see that now. How uh, the blonde girl that looked constipated looked like the one that was in the grave. So I'm assuming that the that one makes... in the grave, like you said. Oh, yep. Was right. she that the would one. be the mother. Yep, she yep. died. And that must be that, that uh, gravestone marker that we saw that we didn't understand. Yes. Wow. That you have to read it. <laughs> To actually, <laughs> like it's all making sense now. So one of the two remaining women then sleeps on the bed. She wakes up as the bed begins eating her. She tries to escape. Um, that's the African American actress that uh -huh. had what looks like ketchup all over her jeans is like the most unrealistic blood of all time. The bed like snares her in its sheets, drags oh, her back to be just... hilariously. <laughs> um, the last woman left alive unsuccessfully tries to save her. So then the brother comes along, finds the surviving woman, only to have the bed trap them both in this underground room. The brother attempts to rescue the previously eaten woman, and you know, by now she's obviously eaten. Uh, it, it, he tries to stab the bed. And, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the bed eats his hands <laughs> and like leaves him just with skeleton hands, which looks so fake. Oh um, boy. So then we come I wonder to the how long he had to hold those underneath his sleeves. <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to ask William Russ these questions. I have a lot of questions. Uh, so do I. Let's uh, this, find it. This movie, by the way, was made for $30,000. Really? And I bet most of the budget went into the bed. Shocking. To the um, person they sent out that we need this schematics for this bed. Wait, you are not going to believe the story behind this movie. Like, I'm just telling you the plot so we can catch up here. So now we come to the finale. So the demon that created the bed falls asleep. You know, he, he, he ate a lot of people today, uh, which renders the bed powerless and allows the artist to communicate with the woman. He describes a ritual that will destroy the bed. For some reason, he knows it. The woman uh. carries out the ritual, which teleports the bed out of the room and revives the bed's real mother at the cost of killing the surviving woman. The bed's mother completes the ritual by having sex with the, the brother? I don't remember this. Where was I? Oh, you want to know what? Oh my god, I, what? Wait. I don't remember this. <laughs> Wait, which... We're getting into some dark territory here. So, the deceased woman takes over the body of the surviving woman. Is it her brother that she has sex with? 
If so, that we're opening up a door. No, to William Russ's character's sister was, I think, the one that resembled the mother of the bed. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it now. It's all coming back to me now. So, so, back. so the Sorry. bed's uh, mother has sex with the brother in this stone circle, and then the bed explodes and dies, uh, and the artist <laughs> finally passes on. <laughs> wow. Scene and scene. So wow. I, I, I'd like to point something out. So I was looking on IMDb where it was saying the goofs of the movie. Now we bypassed this because we were just discussing the whole plot of the movie. But yeah. uh, while the gangsters are playing cards on the bed, one fires a gunshot into the bed. The other makes a hand motion yeah. with a gun as if he <laughs> yes, were also yes. firing, but so no gunshot sound effects were heard. <laughs> Yeah. We couldn't hear that, but there was no sound of the gunshot. Yeah, there's there's a scene with Mario and Luigi playing cards yeah, yeah. Pew, in like pew. some in what looks like a budget porno when they both get <laughs> eaten. For some reason, the bed leaks its yellow foam onto the floor and it just eats them that way. It's so weird. It's it's the it's the bed's bile is just. <laughs> but now that you've had to verbally tell me the story of the movie. I get it, but would I watch that shit show again? No. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I wouldn't mind. So now you're going to listen to this because I okay, looked at the okay. backstory because I needed to know more about this this hot mess. Okay. So George Barry, um, who made the movie, this is the only movie he ever made, uh, and it's probably for good reason. Um, so George Barry... Um, He's, he's living in the Detroit suburbs. Uh, in 1972, he had an interest in film. He decided to make one. Um, so he, he starts putting together this concept for film. The beginning shots where it's just eating noises over black video, there was supposed to be something in there, uh, but they either lost the footage or couldn't afford to shoot the footage. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Because the budget was so tight, uh, most of the movie is told in through the dubbed-in inner thoughts of the characters. Um, inner and, thoughts? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost behind the painting is described as Barry as being David Bowie-esque, which I can kind of see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Bar yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little wild. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to have the same enthusiasm with you for this movie. Yeah. Um, Jock Brandis was one of the people that worked on the movie Deathbed. Um, and um, they were friends. Uh, Brandis, at the time of 1973, was 26. Um, and one night, Barry just showed up at his door and asked if he wanted to make a movie. Sure. Yeah, why not? Sure, let's do this. So they couldn't afford on the budget that they had to pay union wages. So he, um, Brandis, and a van full of Canadians snuck over the border. They didn't have work visas. Um, so they, they literally like like went under cover of darkness, snuck over the border from Canada into the United States, bringing with them a human skeleton in tow. And they'd planned this two-week shoot at a historic Detroit mansion. Um, 
it turned out that the mansion itself was being rented by a group of Hell's Angels. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, and the Hell's Angels in the 70s and early 80s were, were really nothing to mess around with. No, at, they were not. Oh, no, no, they were, we're not. We're talking like, yeah, we're talking dangerous stuff. Um, for whatever reason, the Hell's Angels took a liking to them, so... Um, they did like weird, eclectic people. So I think <laughs> you can't get any. And plus, you know, it's people having sex on this deathbed. Of course, that's that's kind of a true, problem. true. Um, so Brandis's role on the film was to, to work on special effects. Um, he had three hundred dollars. So what he did was uh, they had the frame made, which looked really good. Um, the bed itself does look good. Um, he stacked three air mattresses, one on top of the other, and fixed it so that when a plug was pulled, um, the mattresses oh. would deflate and it would look like the actors were being slowly yeah. sucked into the bed. I can see that kind of, now. Which is ingenious. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like there's one <laughs> scene then? where she's, she's like tipping at a 45 degree angle. So the way they did that, you know, kind of looks good. Um, the stomach acid uh, is just glycerin and yellow food covering uh, coloring, and then they just put bubblers uh, in there. Um, and they went around and they bought uh, every container of yellow food coloring available in the city of Detroit, Detroit to make this movie. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Aunt Ethel's like, I need that yellow food coloring and I can't find any. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to make a flower cake. Because it, it worked so well, um, the uh, Barry who um, put Brandis in the film, he uh, Brandis who did the special effects plays the priest that gets eaten in that one scene. Um, wow! What what gets a little interesting here? So while they're making this movie, they're hanging out with the Hell's Angels. Um, as they are, are going out on the town in Detroit, um, they're in a whorehouse one night, and <laughs> this just gets better and better. Yeah, they went into the whorehouse supposedly um, to borrow a Gideon Bible. Um, yeah, they didn't know it was a whorehouse, so they were they were kicked out onto the street. He was trying to find a Bible for a, for a prop in that film. Oh, you went to the wrong place. That was the wrong place. <laughs> Unless you found that one converted one. That's just like, oh yeah, sure, I got one right here. So what makes this wild, um, it only took two, two weeks to film. Um, they got it done. It would take four years to edit the movie to completion. Um, and by the time that was all done, the movie was so bad. Uh, and by then, so out of date because you know now we're 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 coming forward to 1977. Four years. Yeah. Four and years. It it never. Uh, no one cared to pick it up, so it sat on the shelf for decades. Um, what they didn't know is that a pirated copy of the film had made its way through Europe, copied and copied, and became a really big cult classic over there. Um, and it wasn't until 2004 it was finally released on DVD. Um, yeah. Well, it makes sense with the whole Europe thing. They, back then, they had some pretty strange fucking movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, 
if you look at this movie on the surface, as bad as it is, it's so surreal. Yes. It's, it's like a, I, a really messed up art house film. It, yes, like, I can see that. I can see like, that. Like if a student uh, at, a, at a university studying cinematography had a little bit of a budget, I feel like this is the kind of artsy-fartsy horror movie that they would put out. And they'd probably, that would probably be their thesis, which yeah, probably oh, yeah. would have gotten them a good grade because it was very... Yeah, I can see that. I could see that. But as far as a B movie that I'd want to watch again, <laughs> yeah, it's questionable. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Harvey from Variety wrote, Deathbed is a horror flick destined for some small place in the hearts of psychotronic fans who already treasure such extreme oddities as Blood Freak, uh, not, to Mandy, not to mention Andy Milligan's entire oeuvre. <laughs> Yeah. Someone else described it as a whimsical drug-induced nightmare. Get, and you know like what? you it's, said, a fever dream. It, it's, I, it totally is. Yeah. I feel that that is a fever dream right there. Uh, yeah, so that movie is is really something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emphasis on the something. <laughs> yeah, so that was the second movie that we saw, and... Uh, Wow, we covered yeah. uh, covered a lot of ground in that in that movie. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> I was a a lot of confusion, but until you just read that to me, it now makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If that's a good thing. I love the random orgy scene where the bed is just in the field for some reason. Yeah. And then just like everybody's just under the sheet. Yeah, just <laughs> kicking their like poke, 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 poke. Yeah. It That's what it even... felt like everybody was just under there just moving around. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was like people having seizures underneath the, the sheets. Oh like wait. It, it didn't even look seductive at all. It just looked but like no, it did not. Around. But the random scene of the priest being yes. eaten by the bed what i'll have to say that was the best moment for me for the because just deadpan he had no reaction he's just like i'll just go with it i'm just gonna get eaten by the bed no it just seriously stoned face bye i do have to say the the most impressive scene in the movie is is one of the girls that gets killed when the bed takes the cross starts eating the cross and then uses it like from oh, underneath saw her. her. Yes. Saw her freaking head off. Yes. Like, oh yes. my god, what? And it took forever. Oh, but yeah, just I mean, <laughs> could have we could have shaved off some time there, you know, you just use yeah, an axe. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that was good. That 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 part was good too. Yeah, because I was wincing at that. I was like, oh no, no, no. Yeah, so that I was that was <laughs> that was death though. Yeah. That it is was weird that Chad and Simone never showed up at all. It, it, I, I haven't seen them or heard anybody else but the two of us. So, I don't know. That's that's weird. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go poke around the grounds. Uh, for some reason, Chad has this this strange uh, Celtic circle in a whispering woods behind the house here. Oh, I'm gonna go okay. poke around in there. Um, I'll if, meet you in a couple minutes. If, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, if you know what, let's split up. If you can take the haunted swamp, uh, where the sexy teens were killed. Yes, uh, I was going to go that way anyway. Yeah, we're good. Uh, well, yeah. Well, you know, you got things mm -hmm. to do. Uh, yeah, so do. you check there. Uh, I'll I'll check uh, that that strange whispering Celtic circle, um, and then we'll hope for the best. Cool. Well, this has been uh, this has been Fresh Tomatoes podcast, as hosted by <laughs> me uh, and Jess here. Um, a little bit about our show: we uh, we're in chat of Fallout seventy six story. It's based on the Fallout seventy six video game, but we tell. Um, the dark humor, original storytelling stories uh, with a cinematic sound, um, a lot of humor uh, and interesting, compelling characters. Even if you're not into the video game, um, I think you'd find the stories fun and interesting um, in a way that, that people connect with. And particularly on Halloween, we'll be uh, dropping my, my really emotional pet project, which is our version of Ray Bradbury's classic tale um, something Wicked This Way Comes, which I've been really looking forward to. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. I, the, I wait until you hear this. I can't this wait. I'm excited. literally the best episode that we have Fantastic. ever done. It's so good. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to check out our show, you can find us at Fallout 76 Podcast um, or chat at Fallout 76 Stories available on all podcasting platforms. Um, all right, well, I'm going to I'm going to head outside and uh, I guess we'll end the show here. Let me okay. turn this off. And, uh, all right, great. I'll catch up with you later. See ya. All right. Well, it's time to bury the kitties out back. Bye, all.